Intel has the privilege of supporting uh, three missionary families around the world. The Pinkoffs serve in Cameroon, the Carlson serve in China, and Brian and Faith Jansen uh, serve in Taiwan. And one of the unique things about these relationships is that all three of these families were members at InTown for a number of years before moving overseas to be ministers of the gospel in a different context. And so when they come home, they really, really are coming home and visiting friends and family here in this church. And so this morning, we have the privilege of having the Jansen family here with us and their home on furlough for a number of months. And many of you probably remember them. Faith also served as our children's ministry coordinator for a couple of years. And so I had the privilege of working with her uh, hand in hand for doing ministry here at the church. And they're wonderful people. Uh, They have a a station set up in the back that has some information. They serve with um, OMF in Taiwan, and Brian is working with college students, and Faith is serving to help equip people who serve short-term there in Taiwan. And so we'll also be hosting them for an informational um, session uh, downstairs in the office immediately following the worship. So I encourage you to participate in that. That'll be a great opportunity to hear about God's work through you uh, in Taiwan and through the Jansen family. So this morning, Brian is going to come and preach for us. So we are very glad to have you um, to come and preach. Thank you so much, Brian. Before I begin, well, as I get set up, I'd just like to say, uh, being back here is a tremendous joy, and uh, especially hearing uh, Matt and others lead us in worship, what a blessing every Sunday it is for you to to hear this worship. I know when I moved to Taiwan, uh, singing Singing in Chinese was really hard for probably the first, well, I've been there four years. It was hard for the first three years. And it creates a sense of loneliness, a sense of being an outsider. And uh, there were times where I would go home and I'd put in um, In Town Psalms, the CD, and it felt like home. At least it felt like home in my heart. And so um, thank you, Matt, and others for, um, for sharing that uh, I sometimes feel like it's like you grab the congregation by the hands and walk us into the throne room of God. A tremendous blessing. Uh, as Brian shared, our family uh, has been in Taiwan for four years. Uh, four years and counting. I used to think four years was um, uh, a way that you feel grounded in a culture, and I feel that we have a great foundation, but I, um, I look forward to the next four years and what God has in store for us and the, um, the opportunities that lie ahead. So we are back for one-year home assignment, and then next July, we get back on the plane to Taiwan. Uh, I will be sharing, or we will both be sharing more about, about Taiwan, we will ha- um, and then our ministry there. If you're questioning about whether to come, we will have a Taiwan trivia um, activity, and there are prizes. So if you are kind of on the edge of whether you want to come or not, let that make, help you make your decision. Uh, I, I thank you uh, to, uh, well, thank InTown for your support, uh, for the prayers and for the financial support. Uh, we, are, we are in Taiwan and able to do ministry in Taiwan because of the support that we receive from InTown. So I thank you with that. Uh, I'd like to, to pray now to begin. 
and then I will uh, preach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are um, gracious and kind to us. We thank you that you allow us to, um, to know you, that you desire for us to be in this relationship with you. We thank you for the peace and joy that comes through this relationship because of what you give to us. And I pray, Father, that as that peace and joy and the blessings that you give us um, impact our life, that you allow it to be um, spread beyond us here in Portland and to the ends of the world. We pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when, I was, when I was young, I grew up in a very missions-minded church. And in this church, as a young boy, I remember sitting there thinking this question. Is the greatest purpose of Christianity just to tell other people about Christianity? Is that what we're here for? Just to be able to tell other people about Christianity? And I remember thinking that this question seems empty. Like there has to be more. And of course there is more. I had confused the importance of sharing the gospel with the importance of the gospel itself. Hudson Taylor, a missionary from about 150 years ago, started China Inland Mission. China Inland Mission today is known as OMF International, and that's the organization that Faith and I serve with in Taiwan. And he has a quote. He said this, If I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do enough for such a precious Savior? Now, I've seen this quote quite a few times, but sometimes I've seen it cut in the middle. It's like they just cut it down and they make it about China. Look what happens if you cut it in the middle. If I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. But he catches himself and he's like, no, Christ, can we do too much for a precious Savior? And I believe that he catches himself because he realizes it's not China that's so important. It's not just the gospel going out. It's the fact that the gospel has touched his life. It's the fact that he has a personal precious Savior. And I believe that when that gospel impacts our lives, it changes us, and we desire to go out. You see, a passion for missions and a passion for what God is going or is doing around the world does not just start with a curiosity about the nations of the world, because lots of people can be curious about how the world functions in different cultures, but a passion for missions needs to start with a passion for what God has done for us personally. The fact that we have personally been blessed. The fact that God is at work in us and his love has touched us. Uh, Today, as we look at Psalm uh, 67, I want you to know, I want you to be reminded of the fact that you have been blessed. And I want you to consider how this blessing, this personal blessing can be a springboard for you to have passion for how God is working among the nations. So here's the point of this sermon. 
an overflow of God's blessing in your life is a desire for the peoples of this world to also know this blessing. Let me say it again. A desire or an overflow of God's blessing in your life is for this blessing to overflow to others. And specifically in this psalm, to the ends of the world. Uh, before I get into this psalm, I want you to, if you, you can either look at it in your Bible or, or grab it um, in the bulletin. I want to just talk about the structure of the psalm. It's called a chiastic structure. That's a fancy way to say that the idea that is presented at the beginning is also presented at the end. So we have a foundation there. Verses 1 and 2 talk about blessing. Verses 6 and 7, again, the idea of blessing is given. Verses 3 and 4 is the people's praising God. And if you notice, verses 3, or sorry, 3 and 5, the verses are the same. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. So it starts at the beginning. The ground level is bless us. And then at the end it says, may God bless us still in this translation. Many translations say, God will bless us. God shall bless us. So we have this blessing at the beginning and the end, creating the foundation, followed by the nations will praise you. And then, like the thrust of the message, and this is common in Hebrew poetry, the chiastic structure, idea at the beginning, idea at the end, second idea, second last idea, and then it's the middle idea that is the thrust. So look at verse 4 for the thrust of the message. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. And that is where we're coming to. But the starting point, the foundation in this chiastic structure is the personal blessing that is given. Uh, the, the author of this psalm is calling out for God to bless people. We see this at the beginning. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then we have it in verse 7. And again, I mentioned here it says, may God bless us still. Many other places it's God will bless us. And I find that there's this assurance. It will happen. The blessing is assured, and yet we're still called to ask for the blessing. May God bless us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have received this blessing. But seek it more. Seek his face more. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, recognize that it is freely given. And it is the best blessing the world has to offer. Let me speak more of this blessing. Gospel makes us alive in Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 Paul wrote the following. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This here is the greatest blessing of all. You know, when I was a kid, I thought God gave me eternal life. Like a ticket to heaven. I thought that's what God was selling. That's what I wanted. I wanted just, oh, you know, the, 
at my Sunday school class, they're like, well, if you believe this, you go to heaven. If you believe this, you don't. I thought, well, why isn't everybody else going to pray this prayer? Seemed obvious to me. I realize now that the relationship, the blessing of relationship starts here and now. It impacts our lives today. And then it goes on into eternity. So, indeed, it is, it is for forever. The blessing is eternal. But it starts now. It changes our lives today. And this is the blessing. If you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, your sins are forgiven and you have new life in Christ. There is no other blessing like this blessing. And sometimes we get so comfortable with hearing it that we stop being in awe of it. But to stand in awe of this blessing, to realize that lives are changed by it. The gospel is not merely a door into our relationship with God. It is our foundation. It is our identity. It is our peace. It is our joy. It is everything. And we need to be reminding ourselves of it daily. This is a relationship that changes us. Now, up until this summer, for the last two years, I've been living in southern Taiwan in a rural town called Chowtao. Uh, in this town, it is about 1% Christian. And uh, I was uh, talking with my neighbor. And she said, I realize that Christians are different. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. How are we different? I asked her. And she told me a friend of a friend became a Christian. And she now has genuine peace. So I asked my neighbor, I said, when you go to the temple, do you feel genuine peace? And her response surprised me. She laughed at it. She didn't even say no right away. Her first response was laughter. And then she said, no. And one of the strongest ways you could say no in, Taiwan, or in Mandarin. No. The idea of receiving genuine peace from going to the temple or through worshiping idols was ridiculous to her. To understand her response a little more, it is important that we understand why Taiwanese go to worship. Why do they go to the temple? Why do I live in a country where well over 90% of the people worship in a temple? either Buddhist or Taoist, and they'll go to either one, whichever one works. Often it's fear of the spirit world, obligation to family, and personal greed. There is no consideration of a loving relationship with an idol. It's tr- worship is merely transactional in nature. You bring whatever you want for an offering and you want the idol and the God that that idol represents to give back to you what you asked it. See, in worshiping the idol, you are actually trying to control the idol. Now the idol has to give back to you. People live in fear. Uh, The blessings that are often hoped for are health and wealth. And Another aspect of idol worship is people will go, and it's not personal. You go to the temple, they introduce themselves to the idol. So I would go to the temple, and I would have my offering, and I'd be like, hello, my name is Brian Jansen. 
I live at 2304 Northeast 106th Street, Vancouver, Washington. I'm struggling with ghosts in my house and I want you to fight against them. Or I want you to get me the car that I want. Or I want you to help with this relationship. No peace. As followers of Jesus Christ, as those who are in Christ, we have been blessed. And see, I don't know what um, the way your life will be. Will your life include a blessing of health and wealth? I don't know. But if you are in Jesus Christ today, I can assure you that you have received the greatest blessing to be known by your Creator. And it is this blessing that is our motivation for the gospel to go out to the world. Uh, look back at your, um, at your bulletin. Verse 2. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. It's hard to um, understate the importance of this little phrase, so that. Connective phrase. One thing causes another thing to occur. The blessing is there, so that your ways may be known on earth. God will bless you. Absolutely. One of the reasons, so that the world may know. Let's look at the heart of this psalm. Uh, Verses 3 through 5. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. As a result of praising God, people are to find their joy in him. And we see this theme throughout Scripture. Praise leads to finding joy in God. If this is God's heart, if this is God's heart for the nation, should it not also be ours? Uh, growing up, uh, my dad, my dad's an uh, immigrant from Germany, came, to German, or came from Germany to Canada. I grew up in Canada when he was 18 years old. And my dad is your stereotypical German engineer. He's just kind of proper you know, does things at the same time, the same way on most days. Except during World Cup soccer. It's like a different man, a wild man. I, I remember as a kid thinking, what has gone on with my dad? Watching him watch Germany play soccer. And he would scream and just like, you know, just like a seizure. Um, and... As a child, watching him watch Germany play soccer, my heart started to beat faster. Probably because I'd worried his hands could fly out at any moment. Just so much excitement. But what I started to do is I started to cheer for Germany. I'd never been to Germany, but they were my team. Because that was my dad's passion. And I realize now, even today, if Germany is playing soccer, I want to watch it. Now I've been to Germany one time. But I, I don't really have an identity there. But somehow, the passion of my dad got into me. And it's still with me. So as we read scripture, and we see that God has a passion for the nations, 
And the more time we spend with our Heavenly Father and we realize that we are blessed people, should not that also dig into our hearts and into our souls and that we should say, yes, that's my passion too. That gets me excited. Because as a young boy, if I can get excited about soccer, Germany's playing soccer just because my dad is, how much more should we be, be excited about something that our Heavenly Father is passionate about? Earlier this year, while I was in Taiwan, I was studying, um, just reviewing some Mandarin at a 7-Eleven. I know that sounds weird, but um, the 7-Elevens are great places to do anything in Taiwan. Uh, I, yeah, it's like they encourage loitering. It's so different than here. Uh, a man came up to me, and he asked me the most common question that I get asked as a, um, as a white foreigner in Taiwan. Maybe you can guess it. Are you an English teacher? I said, no, not an English teacher. Second, second question, follow-up question. Or no, I, I told him, I said, oh, I'm a missionary. And he said, oh, are you a Mormon? No, I'm not a Mormon, sorry. And, uh, and so we talked, and he had a lot of questions. What is it like to be a missionary in Taiwan, in his culture? One of the questions was a tough one. He looked at me and he said, as a missionary, do you feel that your work is brainwashing people? First, I had to kind of figure out what the word for ma- in Mandarin for brainwashing was. Actually, it's just wash brain. <laughs> that's, when, that's actually the easiest. She now. She now. I realized, I, I looked at him and I said, I told him, I do not want to control people. I want to present the message, and I want people to worship the true God. I want people to know God. I want people to know the truth and to experience the peace and joy that comes with knowing God. And I understand that was his question to me. And here in the West, sometimes we have questions like, doesn't the work of missionaries negatively impact a culture? I personally love the Taiwanese culture. Yet I want people inside of that culture to know the God of the Bible. And there are aspects of the culture that need to be changed, like there are aspects of our American culture that need to be changed. And if people are living in fear and superstition, and they are uh, living in in a sense of darkness, I want them to come out of that. And so, will the culture be changed We want every culture to be redeemed by the truth of the gospel. But then we want to love the differences too. The food, the clothing, all that comes with culture. The gospel is a message of hope and joy for a broken world. And that is true for our neighbors here in in Portland, and it is true for Taiwan. The gospel impacts culture, and it starts with us, how it has impacted our lives, and then out to others. So how does that impact how we live our lives? How could you be involved in what God is doing around the world? And I want to share some thoughts for you for this. Some of you may have the opportunity to go to another location 
in career missions. I realize as I say this in front of a group like this that I'm not talking to most people. But I have seen people go overseas who are just out of university. I've seen people go in mid-career, and I've seen people go after retirement. God can call people at any time of their lives. Last year, we had a young man come from Australia, 19 years old, and he was going to make videos to promote missions with young people in Australia. So he went around to different missionaries and lived with us each for about a week. After he had lived with three or four missionary families, he came and stayed with us. And I said to him, what do you notice about missionaries? And he said to me, you're all so normal. (laughs) I didn't know how to respond to that. (laughs) But maybe God is calling you to be a normal person who pours out their life in another corner of the world. We're not looking for superheroes. When I was young, I thought missionaries were superheroes. Now that I've had them as co-workers, I realize that's wrong. (laughs) We are just normal people who God uses in another corner of the world. But maybe God is calling you to do short-term. As Brian mentioned, Faith will be coming into the role of uh, short-term missions coordinator from the Taiwan side. And maybe we can look at bringing people from in town to come and serve in Taiwan to get a better idea of what our lives look like in our ministry there. And you know, a short-term, I believe short-term is best if it is helping the missionary on the field and then also being used as a discipleship tool to grow the the person who is going out for short-term. Short-term missions can be done well, and it can be done to to glorify God's kingdom, to bless people on both sides of the ocean. But not everybody will go, and not everybody should go. Many should send. And again, our family is in Taiwan because of the... um, financial support that we have received from in town, from individuals, from families, and we are so grateful for that. We also need people to be praying for us. Uh, When we share later today, I'll share more about some of the challenges we have faced, but it has not been easy much of the time. But God has been faithful. We need people to be praying for us. Lastly, uh, the nations are coming to America There are so many opportunities right here in Portland. Uh, People, immigrant families, and then also international students. Uh, Faith and I have an international student from China that we are meeting with regularly. And there are are great opportunities to welcome people and to serve cross-culturally and letting the gospel flow out. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. So how will it overflow? How will it overflow to the nations? And let me close with two things. One is a story that happened last, um, last month, a tennis story, and one is um, something eternal from the book of Revelation. First, the tennis story. Uh, in Mallorca, Spain, Rafael Nadal was, was playing a tennis match against John McEnroe. I, I didn't even know John McEnroe was still around. But he's playing a tennis match, and he's, he's about to serve, and he stops. And in the stands, there is this lady calling out, Clara, Clara. She can't find her daughter, and she just has the tears strolling, rolling down. 
7,000 people, and he stops. And everybody looks. And then other people in the crowd start calling out, Clara, Clara. And they find the girl. She's, she's maybe 50 meters from her mom, and she's in the, the stairwell just crying. The mother runs over, and they embrace. And the crowd cheers. The lost was found. And I thought, oh, what a great picture. Because if you are in Christ today, you were lost and you are found. And it's something to celebrate, but it's also something to put on display. To let people see, yes, my Heavenly Father found me. I'm a blessed person. Let, let people see it and let them celebrate. Book of Revelation. In um, Revelation 4, uh, the Apostle John talks of a door opening to heaven. Whenever I read that, I'm like, a door opening to heaven? <sighs> that's, when you, that's, that's when you're reading your Bible and you lean in. A door open to heaven. And he describes what he sees. And in verse, or chapter 5, verse 9, he says, referring to Jesus, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you are slain. And with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The Apostle John saw into the future worshiping, people worshiping from all nations. It will happen. It will happen. Whether you are involved or not, whether I am in Taiwan or not, it will happen. But we get to be involved. Why? Because we are motivated by the blessing that we have received. May God bless you. And may he bless us. May he bless this church. And may that blessing be an overflow to all corners of the world and also to here in Portland. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this truth. I thank you for this psalm. But I thank you, most of all, for the blessing that you have given me, the blessing that you have given all of us, the gift of relationship, that we have genuine peace in knowing who you are, knowing that you loved us first. Allow us to seek you more. And allow the blessing that you have so freely given to us overflow to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.